Hello everyone, welcome on Impact 10x, a podcast uncovering impact investing strategies in Europe. This podcast has been thought for impact entrepreneurs who want to better understand what investors look for. And if you want to get into their heads, understand their expectations in terms of metrics, in terms of exit, you are at the right place. Very happy to have a Spanish investor today, Lara Viala. Happy listening. All right, welcome everyone to Impact 10X. Very, very happy to have Lara Viada today with me. Um, Lara, thank you so much for being my guest today. You are a partner at Creas Ventures, right? Yes, thank you, Svenja. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Cool, amazing. So I'm really, really happy uh, that we have some Spanish representation because we've been, uh, I've been talking to a lot of French funds. I've been talking to Nordics funds, but in the South of Europe, I didn't talk to a lot of impact funds. So uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but there are less impact funds maybe in your regions. Uh, I think you're one of the first in Spain, Creas, right? Yes, there are definitely a lot less impact funds um, in Southern Europe. Um, I don't know the Italian market that well, although there aren't that many funds. I do know the Spanish market very well. Um, and um, I was trying to actually calculate it a, a couple of weeks ago. I think the Spanish impact investing market is about 3% of the total private equity venture capital market. And in France, it's already above 10%. So huge difference. Uh, also because just the private equity and venture capital market is even bigger. So in terms of GDP, definitely very, very small. Um, we were the pioneers in Spain, uh, but there are already some other funds, but we're still around six to seven actors um, and have been... Uh, many of us have been in the sector for many years now, so um, definitely not as, as quickly growing as the French market, but hopefully that will change in the future. Yes, of course, and with your fund as well. So tell us more maybe about yourself, uh, what you did before joining Creas, um, and, and, yeah, and how you became an impact investor. What, what drove you to become an impact investor? Yeah, of course, happy. So... Um, I started my career in a multinational corporation. I really didn't know what to do at 21. I had been, though, beforehand five months in an NGO in, in India, and that had uh, very much changed the way I see saw the world. So after four years in a corporation, um, even though I knew day one that I didn't want to stay, I don't know how I ended up lasting for years, but I, I really knew it wasn't what I wanted to do, right? Wake up every day and sell one more shampoo in my case. Um, I wanted a change, but it was very, very difficult, right? To move into the social sector. Um, this was many years ago. The impact investing sector was in Europe. At least I didn't know about it. Um, and I saw these big NGOs, the UN, the World Bank, um, asking for master's degree. So I decided to go and do that. So I went to the US, to Washington, D.C., where the heart of the multinationals and the, and the big development banks are, and studied international development. That was back in 2010. Um, and that was when impact investing was uh, getting a lot of traction in the U.S., so Acumen, Calvert, some of the first ones were, were starting to become 
better known. Um, and impact investing was getting a lot of momentum as an evolution from microfinance, right? So I thought it was the perfect combination for me to combine my uh, willingness to create social impact with my background in already more the corporate business. Um, so I started working uh, with one of the first impact funds, which was a spin-off of the IFC, of the World Bank. Um, and I went with them to Latin America. So somehow with no financial background, I managed to convince them that my experience helping um, small and medium hairdressers in Europe was absolutely relevant to help agro-industrial small and medium enterprises in Peru. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> that was a big jump, uh, but, but a very interesting. And at the end of the day, it's true that it was much more useful. My experience in, I had been working for L'Oreal. So my experience in L'Oreal was much more useful to help these entrepreneurs than the very nice master's degree that I had from the U.S., right? Because at the end of the day, companies need marketing, need operations, need finance. So I was really helping companies in all of these aspects, right? Improve brand, improve marketing, uh, find the right logistics person, talent recruitment, many things. And so after some time doing that, I ended up also helping the investment team. And so that's how I got more into becoming an impact investor. Uh, and that's what I've been doing for the last 12 years now. So um, it's been a while. Amazing. And uh, what about Creas? Tell us more about how this uh, fund came along, how big is the fund um, and uh, and what's your investment thesis? What are you looking for? What type of startups, what, what stage, uh, what topics in impact are really exciting to you? Tell us more. Okay. So uh, Crea's story is like any startup story, right? So we were born back in 2008, uh, quite early for the market. In 2008, nobody was talking about impact investing in Spain. Um, Creas was launched by two atypical founders in the venture capital ecosystem because Luis is an architect and Javier is a doctor. Um, <laughs> they, they both were successful businessmen in their way, right? But they didn't have that much experience investing. So what they did is just create a small foundation and start investing their own capital and learning. So they spent some years doing that and also just creating market awareness. A lot of conferences and, and talks at, at universities and so forth. And then in 2012, they were able to convince the first friends and fools and crazy people to invest with them. And they started a very small fund, uh, just a pilot, one and a half million. And we invested that in eight early stage companies with small tickets of between 100 and 200K. But we were also able to bring other investors. Um, and that actually went quite well. Uh, it proved that uh, impact entrepreneurs are quite resilient because uh, investing in those early stages is generally very risky. And, and up to date, we've already exited most of of that portfolio and only one has recently um, uh, been well, bankrupt. Uh, but anyway, so that was uh, quite successful. So in 2018, we launched another more institutional and bigger fund, this time 30 million euros, um, which now we've almost uh, also invested and now we're launching a 70 million euro fund. Um, That's amazing. Wow. Yes. 
you raised the $70 million already or are you currently raising we're it? We're in the process. We're in the process. We're starting now, actually. You're starting we're, to raise the $70 million. Okay. Yeah. The market is not super buoyant. <laughs> That's true. But uh, we are quite confident with our current investors, which are quite happy. Um, and we're also seeing um, some traction with other new investors. So we, we do think that um, maybe not as big as we would like, but definitely there will be an, an expand in the future. Um, and yeah, so because the impact investing ecosystem is smaller in Spain, we thought a lot about specializing, but we think it's early today. So we're still going to be investing in what we call, we, we, we talk about three impact areas, which is empowering people. That's everything that has to do with education and future of work. Um, caring for people. So mostly with a, a big focus on, on elderly care and a care for unrepresented people and then um, regenerating the, the, the planet or the economy. And there we're focused on circular economy and regenerative agriculture and ACTEC. So even though we're still a generalist fund, within the sectors, we're narrowing it down a lot more. Um, so we started investing in many more sectors, right? Mobility, energy efficiency, energy transition, well, other aspects. And now we're really trying to narrow down to what we see as the key sectors where we've already built expertise and where we all also think are going to be key markets in Europe, right? Um, of and where there aren't that many investors because you, you find a lot more people investing in renewable energy, right? So we don't see... And we don't think we're that needed in that sector as an impact investor. I see what you mean. Yeah, I see what you mean. What about the geography? Are you investing Europe-wide or only in Spain for now? How do you see it? So our hope uh, is to invest at least 30, maybe even 40% in, uh, in other European geographies. Uh, probably, obviously, Spain will be a lot, but hope, uh, probably France, Portugal, Italy, those are obviously the closest markets. Um, we also already have some investments. We already have an investment in France and another one in an Austrian company. Um, basically, what we want to do is to help build European leaders in their sectors, right? So um, geography shouldn't be that much of a limit. Uh where we can obviously add more value is in the, the companies that want to develop the Spanish or even the Latin American market because it's a natural market when you when you go to Spanish, right? Um, but but with but we're open to to many other things. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Um, what is your opinion about impact versus? financial return because I've been talking to a lot of impact investors and you know most of them um, think that it's compatible I mean impact is compa absolutely compatible with uh, having a financial return um, and a few of them it's a minority actually with you know it's a minority but a few of them think that it's not compatible that impact needs more time and it cannot get the same financial returns that as other more generalistic funds. So what's your opinion on that? Can impact make money? <laughs> That's a very passionate discussion. And as couldn't be different, I definitely have a strong opinion on this. Um, look, I think it all depends on... Um, it. For us, it's a portfolio vision, right? So there are some sectors 
um, where there is the impact. I think this is quite visual, right? Impact is more market ready, right? So, for example, the, all the companies that have to do with circular economy, anything, anything, in general, anything that has to do with climate change, uh, definitely can have a market returns or higher than market returns. You're definitely following a trend, a consumption trend. Everything is, is on your side, right? Legal, the regulation, the consumers, everything, right? So we are investing in those sectors. And there, we are looking for very high returns. But when you go to other markets, definitely you need more patient capital because they are impacting innovations that are less market-ready as to say, right? So, for example, when you invest in things like K-12 education, you know more than me, but many things are less scalable, particularly when you go into deep impact. If you really want to change how um, schools are teaching, reduce school dropouts, go to the most complicated schools and go to the, the core of education, that takes time. So when you're trying to do very profound social innovations, systemic change, that takes time. And as impact investors, I do believe that we can't um, we can't do only that because you're building a portfolio and you need to compensate. But you also have to do that. It's mm-hmm. not. I mean, a lot of I see some impact funds that are for me only going to the easy impact, mm, so the <laughs> environmental, impact. environmental, climate change. So every, that's that's for you the not, easy well, impact. Not, not only environmental, eh, but um, yeah, some impact that is already more accepted by the market, mm-hmm. right, and more and and very scalable. Okay. And I think as impact investors, we definitely have to ride that wave, right? Because it would be ridiculous for us to see all that and say, okay, no, not that. Um, because there's a lot of impact to be done there. And as impact investors, we also can help go deeper in the impact. I mean, we, we can add value and make sure that impact is preserved. So I think there's a job for us there. But I also think that we have to also do a, some inclusion stuff, other kind of impacts that take longer. And as a portfolio... Yeah. In a portfolio view, we do are targeting a bit lower than market returns. So not market rate, not very low, but I think we are some what I would I would say that we're somewhere in the middle. Okay. Interesting. And how do you think of your portfolio in terms of risk? Uh do you say, okay, we're gonna invest 25% of the fund in more risky um you know companies where the timing has to be longer, uh, where the market is not completely there yet, but these solutions are needed. We know that it's going to take a lot of time, so we're going to invest like 25%, X percent. And then 20, you know, 50% in, in, in more market-ready solutions. How do you think about your portfolio building? Well, it's a bit like that, although we don't have specific percentages uh decided because um, we're a bit more flexible, but definitely we do believe that we are going to take higher risks where the impact is going to be really systemic and profound impact, right? And we definitely are going to do some of those deals. And we are also, you know, so we we want to have an equilibrated portfolio. 
Um, and it also has to do a lot with sectors. Some sectors are are more easy and some are more difficult. Of course. And so what are your expectations? Like, because, you know, I've been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs, impact entrepreneurs asking me, you know, sometimes it's a bit, it's not very clear what expectations of impact VCs are in terms of impact. Sure. I mean, that's one thing. I'm sure that you have some really high expectations on impact, um, but also on financial return. So my question is, how do you measure, first of all, the impact uh, of, of your portfolio companies? Uh, and then what are your expectations in terms of the financial return? Um do you have like a multiple in mind that they that each company needs to do depending mm -hmm. on if it's a easy one or a really tough one with no market readiness but how do you think about both measuring the impact and like the multiple on your return mm -hmm. so i'll start by the easier which is the multiple we are targeting two times um money as a multiple right so that means that in general we would uh, generally want that the companies where we're targeting a lower return are two times around two times and others are higher because obviously <laughs> things are never like you wish right and there's definitely going to be some company where there's going to be zero and you have to make up so I, that would be a bit of a, of a range okay? so minimum two times and then Hopefully I mean, I think we can we can go lower if it's definitely you know like we fall in love, but that's a bit of, a, of an idea. And two times is definitely low for the BC market. You won't see BCs being okay with two times. And I think we are definitely okay with two times if there's a huge impact to be made. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of impact, and well, we are and we have been, eh? and that's how our portfolio has been built. Today we have some companies like that. Um, in terms of impact, I'm sure that you've been, uh, maybe spoken with other funds invested by the EIF. That's one of our main LPs. So they have a very structured way of how they, they ask you to measure impact that definitely is driving uh, the, um, the impact investing European ecosystem, right? So, uh, well, first off, we work with theory of change, which is something that I would say that in the 12 years that I've been working in the sector now has been really like, Everybody understands this and not generally people, every single impact fund works with this. So working with companies to help them understand what really is your problem, why is your problem critical, is your solution really, has does it bring additionality to the market, who are your stakeholders, what are you changing and how are you changing it, right? What is your impact in terms of scale and change? We generally try to always establish KPIs that can grasp these two concepts. And then we establish targets um, for the for the our investment, right? So with my 1 million euros, what are you going to be able to achieve in terms of scale and change uh, aligned with your theory of change? And sorry, that helps. What you, sorry, what do you what do you mean by theory of change for, for, for the people listening uh, this podcast? How do you use that theory applied to each of your portfolio companies? So theory of change is quite basic in reality. It's really understanding what is it that you want to change in the world, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So what's the problem that you're tackling? 
and really understanding well your problem. Is, is your problem really critical? What are the numbers? What are the global numbers? Is it aligned with the SDGs? How, how much will you be able to contribute to this problem? That's one part. Then what's your solution, right? And is there nothing solving what you're trying to solve? Um, who are the actors here? How is your solution more innovative? And this is what we call additionality, which is a very key concept in impact, right? How are you additional? How are you bringing additional impact to the table, right? So, and then who are your stakeholders and how can you measure that? And that's what your theory of change is, right? That's how you establish a bit of a framework of what are you trying to change in the world? And it's really much based on your core business, um, and that's what helps you then define your core indicators to measure if you're actually going to be able to make the changes that you want to make. Because at the end of the day, there's been a lot of talk about impact measurement, but measuring is never the goal, right? It's only um, a means to an end. And the end is to maximize impact. So it's to manage impact, not to measure impact. So we don't really spend that much time in measuring. We have to be able to establish what's important to measure. We're very much about three to five key indicators and not 25. When I started back in the day, we were measuring 50 KPIs. That's impossible. Nobody understands. It's impossible to follow, right? So very much focused, but making sure that the that those are core to the company, you know, that the company follows them, that they are helping establish the strategy, that they're helping make decisions, that decisions are all, when you are making day-to-day -day decisions, you're always thinking, is this going to maximize my impact? Is this going to help me generate more impact? Is this going to help me with my theory of change? Mm -hmm. so that's, uh, we, we, are, we, we generally make sure that this forms part of the board conversations, that there's meetings around this. That's really a lot about what we do as impact investors in the companies. Of course. And is your carried interest, your bonus as an investor, yes. is it linked to this impact performance of, of your companies and how well they do on that impact scale? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, the indicators have to be approved by our investors that make sure that we're not establishing very easily achievable indicators and that indicators are ambitious, right? So if you're investing a million euros in one company, you are generating enough impact with that money, right? And then uh, we um, measure what is called the social impact multiple, which is an aggregated measure of all of this. And um, if we are below 60%, we will get no carry at all. So wow. it definitely um, is linked. And that also, at the end of the day, helps align incentives. The fact that we care about that, we make sure that the founders and the team's bonuses are also aligned to that so that they care too, right? So that, that helps them make sure that we all have are focused on the right things. And do you have like an independent observer or independent consulting firm that has, that looks at how well they're doing in terms of achieving their impact goals or are you doing this, the CREAS team? So right now, um, we are the ones looking at it, right? Uh, the supervisory committee is more for the establishment of the targets than we are the ones looking at it. Um, definitely one of the things that we have to improve is to have external 
auditors, revisors, whatever you want to call them, on the information that we're getting from companies, right? Some companies audit, we have everything, right? Some companies audit all of the KPIs. Some companies audit only one KPI, for example, employability, which is the key KPI. They audit that one. Some companies are doing randomized controlled trials and, and really having, you know, like university kind studies. Um, and some companies are not doing anything. So <laughs> we have a wide range there. And I guess one of our, there's a lot of things that we have to improve, but that's definitely one of the things that we should be improving for our next fund. Okay. So, Lara, sorry, I forgot to ask you, at what stage are you investing and what are the ticket sizes that you invest? Yeah. So, uh, for this former fund, we're investing from one to four. Our mentality is to be a lead Series A investor, um, although we've sometimes also started in Series B and in seed. But our core, um, the core place that we invest is what we call early growth. Um, so product market fit demonstrated and ready to scale. That's where we can help. Um, that meant smaller tickets. The market has evolved for the, in the last five years. So now in the next fund, we're thinking of doing an average of 5 million euros per company. Mm. Um, so we are what, um, recently someone told me, a high commitment, high concentration fund, right? So we, we're looking for a small portfolio of around 12, 12 companies, uh, but really well selected and where we actually have a seat in the board and we, we really help the company. So we, we spend time to, to help the companies grow. Amazing. What, are, what is the, uh, the, the sector, the industry that really excites you personally as an investor? Hmm, that's a very good question. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I like circular economy a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's so much to be done. I'm also very attracted by agriculture and agricultural value chains and, and dramatically changing the way we eat in so many aspects. And then the last but not least would be um, education. Obviously, as a mother of two, um, uh, I see there's so much to change, um, although I do know that it's a difficult sector to invest in. <laughs> You know, you know that better than I, Svenja. So um, that's a tricky sector, but I, I hope we can do more. Mm -hmm. And, that's and what's the latest company you've invested in? Sorry? The latest company that you've invested in. Ah, the latest is, is Trendier, which, which is actually a, a second-hand fashion company, Circular Economy, which is leading the second-hand sector in Mexico and Colombia, even though it is a Spanish company. Amazing. That's exciting. Yeah, that's creating really a new market. Yeah, definitely. Super cool. Well, thank you so much for your time, Lara. It was a pleasure to have you on Impact 10X and, and learn more about CREAS, about yourself, about your vision of impact investing in general. So thank you. And, um, and yeah, and see you all next week for the next episode. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Svenja, for this podcast, which I think is very interesting. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.